Well, it's good to see Courtney back up there singing, huh? Had the baby, got everything settled, and now she's back up there singing. So I'm not sure where the baby's at, but she's up there singing, so that's good. No, she's taking good care of Mary's got her, I think. Um, So I'm going to get you a little involved this morning. I don't always do that, but I'm going to this morning. So feel free to to share some of your thoughts on this question I'm going to throw at you. What qualities does a person need to have for you to trust them? If you're going to trust somebody, what's the qualities they need to have? Honesty, good attitude, reliable, what? Ah, I'm just kidding. Good listener. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. There you go. Nice. I'll give you your five bucks for throwing that one out there for me. Yeah, anything else come to mind that you'd be like, that nah, person needs to have this. Loving, Okay. Loyalty? Oh, you love them? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, have, I've got a really good friend who's not a believer, and I trust him. I mean, he'd, he'd do whatever he told me he'd do. So faithfulness, there's one. Follow through on that. Wisdom. All right. Nice. Anything else? What did you say? Old. I've known some young people with wisdom. I've known some older people that didn't have wisdom. But uh. Now, this next question. How, how would you know you could trust them? Yeah, yeah. You got, are they going to follow through with what they've said? Or, you know, how they're okay. I've, maybe you heard from somebody else that a person is trustworthy. Even. So you're going you're gonna to see if they follow through on that. Can they... Which, by the way, is that, you know, when you think about it with our marriages and relationships and children and parents and all that kind of stuff, you know, we grow trust in the other people by following through on what we're supposed to be doing in our relationships. So let me ask you this. If you knew that everything a person said was true, all right, everything they did was right, and no matter how scary it was, Everything they did in your life would ultimately be for your good. Could you trust that person? All right? I'm going to hold you to it, Bob. Let me read something that God had King Solomon write down for us out of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which a lot of Christians know, but also 7 and 8 that we sometimes don't know. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all. So not some or most, but all. Your heart. In other words, give all your life, all the decisions that you are forced to make in a day, and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on how you think you should respond, how you think you should think in that situation. In all, again, not some or most, but all your ways, acknowledge him. Say, okay, God, I'll do it your way. It may even seem kind of strange to me, but I'm going to do it your way. Why? Because he will make your paths straight. He'll keep your life from going off track. He'll keep you from messing up your life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't do life 
your way. It's one of the things we talk about here all the time. Our choice every single day is to do life God's way, His wisdom, or to do life our way, our wisdom. There's no in-between. Fear the Lord. In other words, respect Him by doing life His way and turn away from evil, which is doing life our way. It, doing life God's way, will be healing. Look at this. Will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Those words refer to mental, emotional, physical, spiritual renewal, refreshing, energy, strength. So God's saying, hey, trust me with your life. Trust me with the decisions that you need to make in your life. And when I talk about, I was, Hagen and I were talking about this, um, I don't know when it was, this week, yesterday, days fly by. Um, and I, I try to say this, I say it a lot, and so sometimes it kind of gets, you know, it's just that wah, 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 you know, the peanuts teacher. Um, but when I say do life God's way or do life our way, I'm talking about how we do marriage, how we raise our children, how children respond to their parents, how we talk to our neighbors, how we deal with neighbors we don't like or who don't like us, how we deal with um, employers that we don't like or we think don't like us. or how we, I'm talking about every single day, the decisions that we make, whether I'm going to uh, think good, positive, God-related thoughts, or if I'm going to think like myself and be discouraged and frustrated. All the thoughts, all the things, all the decisions, all the thinking. God's saying, trust me. Do it the way I'm saying to do it. And if you do, here's just a couple promises for you. One, you're not going to mess your life up. We're all kind of nervous about, man, we want to make sure we make the best decision. Why? Because we don't want to mess our lives up. Okay, then do it God's way. Let's, let's find out how God, the creator of this world, said life should be lived, and let's live that. Yeah, it looks weird to the rest of the world. I get it. But it's the way God says to do it. And our lives won't go off track. We won't get messed up. We won't make stupid decisions. We won't hurt ourselves. We won't hurt others. And His way of doing life will bring mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual renewal, refreshing. Who wouldn't want those in their life? I mean, we all know people, maybe we're the one who is just drained, sucked dry, don't want to even get up in the morning because of what's going on and what we have to face in life. Why do we do that? Because we're off track. There's a lot of energy to get sucked right out of us when we try to do life our way, rather than doing it God's way. God's way will actually give us renewal and refreshing. The question is, why should we trust God? to fulfill those promises. So you can't trust someone you don't know. So you can't trust God if you don't know God. Now there's a lot of you here this morning who would say, yeah, I know God. I'm I'm in a personal relationship with Him. Okay. So you know Him. But do you know Him? That word know is that, that personal, experiential type of knowledge. So I want to tell you this morning some things about who God is and, and how He operates, what He's like. And then you need to decide whether you're going to trust Him or not. I've already made that decision. Not that I do it perfectly, but I've already made that decision for my life that I'm going to do life God's way. And sometimes I still mess up because I still want to do it my way or I think the way He wants me to do it is kind of messed up. 
but I, I, I get back on track. So your job is to, to figure this out. So I gave, I gave you, you should have in your bulletins, like 24, actually 27 if you do little bullet points that I put under goodness. And your job this week is take some of those, or all of them if you want, but spend time reading it, reading the verses that are in there, and then asking a question, how would my life look differently if I let God operate that way in my life? I'll get back to that at the end. In our series, The Counselor, I made, uh, I made this statement, the first one, and the other two kind of flow out of it for today. The depth of your relationship with Christ directly impacts the depth of your fear, depression, and anxiety. Because we all have that to one extent or another, right? So how, how close we are to Christ, how, how well we know Him, God, Christ, right? Uh, how, how well we trust Him directly impacts how fearful we're going to be, how depressed we're going to be, how anxious we're going to be. The depth of your relationship with Christ is directly connected to how well you know Him and trust Him, how much is up here and then how much you're allowing to come out in your life. Yeah, I know God says this, this, and this, but will I actually take the steps to trust Him to live the way He says? And the more you know and trust Christ, the more you'll grow in faith, which is opposite of fear, Hope, opposite of depression, and contentment, which is the opposite of anxiety. I thought I'd throw the positive in there. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a person that kind of looks at the negative all the time, right? So I'm trying to give you the, the positive here this morning. But the more you know and then trust Him, the more you actually take steps of actually doing what God says to do and see Him at work in your life, the more you'll grow in faith, hope, and contentment. Now here's a cool point before we get, this is free information. Uh, I, I'm not uh, charging you guys for these words. Um, here's a cool point. So God has attributes. We're going to talk about God's attributes this morning. Not all of them. Uh, just about 8 to 11. It depends how you want to break them down. Um, and so, because uh, it's like, like I said, 24, 27. So we're not going to get through all of them. So God has these attributes. They're infinite. It means that there's no way that we could ever know everything about this particular attribute as it relates to God. So it's, uh, it's infinite. It's also, he, he's also holy. All right? So it's separate from us. In other words, he's perfect. There's no sin involved. So everything he does is, is perfect. But we're created in the image of God as humans. And so we have these attributes to one uh, extent or another. And there's debate as to how much we have of each one, that type of thing. But what they are is that they're finite. We're created beings, so they're finite. They only go so far in us, and it's pretty quick to see how far they are. And we're not holy. We're full of sin. So where God is not hindered at all in getting his, expressing his attributes, we are very hindered. We keep messing up with our attributes, but we, we have these. And so as you go through these, you'll also be able to kind of see, okay, yeah, I can see where that is active in my Like, for instance, wisdom. You know, we, we have human wisdom, but we also have godly wisdom if we take God's word in and, and operate that way. All right, so today's challenge. As we go through these attributes, I want you to, to think about the area uh, where you're struggling the most, where you're having the most difficult time trusting God 
could be a relationship situation. It could be a work situation. It could be a health situation. Um, it could be any number of things. But where are you struggling the most? And as we go through these, just keep asking yourself, can I trust God? A God who is like this, can I trust Him with my thing? Whatever the it is, like we talked about last week. All right, so the first one we're going to look at is omnipresence. That's a $25, $35 word. You can impress your friends and family member. It just means everywhere at once. But it actually kind of means more than that. So, And I'm not going to break all of these things down. We're going to kind of clip through these. You can break them down later if you want. But God does not have size or spatial dimension. So we can't say, you can't say God is large. Because large means it has some sort of dimension to it. It's different than small. He doesn't have size or spatial dimensions and is present at every point of space with his whole being. I was trying to figure out how do I demonstrate this. I was going to lay on the floor and then draw a line, you know, like a, like a dead person line, around me and then say, okay, that's the world, and then lay on it. But that, and say, see, that's kind of like how God is. But it's not really like God is because God is everywhere, fully, completely, at all times. So he's fully, completely here, but he's fully, completely out there. He's fully, completely in, you know, D.C. I know it's hard to believe, but he's there. He's fully, completely in Ukraine. He's fully, completely in China. I mean, he's fully, and completely everywhere at the same time. Because he's everywhere. Yet, God acts differently in different places. So he's not going to necessarily respond one way here and exactly the same way over there because he's going to respond to the situation at hand. Here's a verse. It comes out of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. He is everywhere, completely and fully, all the time. So, some points off that. All of who God is. So all these attributes and all the attributes that you have on your sheet, all who He is, is fully present in your life, every moment of your life. So when you walk out of this church, He is as much with you, fully and completely, as He is by sitting in this church building. He doesn't ever leave you. So especially Christians, when we pray, we never have to say, God, I just pray that you'll be with us. Why? He is! You know, He's like, hello? I've already answered that one, you know. I get, we're going to talk about answered prayer next week, so we, you know, he answered that one. He's with us all. God, thank you for being with me right here, right now. Thank you for being with me in my struggle. Thank you for walking with me in that. God knows, sees, and is interacting in your life every moment of your life. So God's not ever going, you know, you're over here, and he's like, what's going on, what's going on over there? No, he's there. He's in it. He's interacting. And as he is in your life, fully present, he is in everyone else's life throughout the world. <laughs> Again, blows our mind. It's hard to, hard to imagine a being who's that incredible, that powerful, but that's who he is. And so rather than go, I am 
No, let's believe it. And then let's, let's see how does that impact my life. How should that respond? And so we think about Just take some time to think about that one attribute. Feel free to do it right now while I'm talking. I don't care. But think about it. Because pretty soon you're, start, you're going to start having a headache. Because it's just so incredible, so unbelievable. I mean, it better be because it's God. You'd be like, I can't understand it. Yeah, that's good. You don't want to understand God fully, completely, because then you would be God, and I'd always be scared. You know, I'd be scared if I was God, too. Now, add to that his attribute of eternity. All right? So he's not controlled by time. Some call it eternality. But, so God has no beginning, no end, or succession of moments. Like, this is a succession of moments. God doesn't do that. <laughs> There's, like, so I just spent some time. I just did that. But God doesn't. He's outside of time in that, se- in that sense. And he sees all time equally vividly. So he's, and yet God sees events in time and acts in time. So he's not controlled by time, but he operates in time. Again, blow your mind. So he's as fully present. You can go to the next slide. So he, oh, I'm sorry, verse, thank you. So this is Jesus. Jesus is God. Speaking, he says, I am the Alpha, the beginning of all things, and the Omega, ending of all things says the Lord God, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. That's omnipotent, all-powerful. We're not going to be talking about that this morning, because kind of, I think we cover that quite a bit. So God is fully present in your past. You're not, but He is. <laughs> in your present and your future at the same time. God is already fully present where he plans for you to be in an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, fifty years, sixty years. However far down the road you are going to live, God is already there, fully present in that your future, my future. That's why I don't have any here. Go ahead and go, go back. So God knows what is coming down the road for you. Because He's already there. And not only that, but He's already been where you're going to go. Actually, He hasn't been there. He's there where you're going to go. So he knows the obstacles that are there because he's there. He knows the struggle you're going to have on the road to wherever he wants to take you. He knows where the the, uh, off-ramps are that he doesn't want you to take because he's there as well. Which actually brings us to the next attribute. His omniscience. He's omniscient, so knows everything. God fully knows himself. We think we know ourselves, but we don't. He fully knows himself and all things actual. This is is where this is like, whoa. And possible in one simple and eternal act. 
In other words, he doesn't have to think about what you may or may not do and the repercussions of that. He knows it. So he knows the decision. So here's, you know, God's sovereignty and how does God, you know, God um, controls all things, but there's free will involved and how does it all work? And again, just kind of blows your mind. But God, I mean, I keep on jumping ahead. There's a verse here. I'm sorry. I keep jumping ahead of myself. I just want to get into these. So Psalm 139 again. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize or you pay close attention to my path. In other words, how I live life. And my lying down. And are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all. So even before I'm going to think about saying something, God already knows what it is. And so he knows everything. So no matter what decision we make, he knows that decision. But he knows possibilities. So he also knows every decision we could have made in that decision. And knows what could happen if I chose any one of those other decisions. Wow! So that has a lot that, you know, that just kind of blows your mind when you talk about free will. We still have to make the choice. We still get to choose what we're going to choose. But he knows what we're going to choose because he knows every choice we would make or could have made and the impact of those things. And so he knows that if I choose this, what's gonna, the, the ripple effect throughout my life and everybody else's life, he knows. And whether that's a good decision or not. And he knows this decision. If I choose this decision, it's his decision. He knows the impact that's going to have in my life and the life of others. We talked about him being the, the greatest and best being last week. And so it's best for us to do what God says since he knows how it will best impact us and everybody else in our lives. And that knowing and choosing speaks to another of his attributes, and that is wisdom. God always chooses the best goals, or you could talk about his will here, and the best means to those goals. And here's a verse. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge. So uh, Paul puts them together both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable, in other words, we can't fully understand are his judgments, and unfathomable, again, we can't fully understand his ways. Those words mean basically the same thing. Paul's just emphasizing the fact that we can't fully know God. We can't fully know who he is, how he operates, why he's doing what he's doing. We just need to trust him based on his attributes and what he's done in our lives. So God's goals or his, his will is best. Why? Because he is the best and greatest being. And he always does what's best. And so his will for us is the best. And then God's way of accomplishing those goals or accomplishing his will is the best. So if we're talking, let's just talk about relationships. God has a way of wanting us to do marriage. It's the best way. He actually designed marriage, the whole idea of marriage. And so it's the best way of doing marriage. Why? Because he's the best being there is. He wouldn't give us anything bad. He'd give us the best. 
So we do the wacky, crazy things that God says about marriage. We actually sacrifice for our wives, men. And wives, you actually, actually respect us and encourage us. Why, our husbands, we, we sacrifice for our wives when we don't think they deserve it. That sounds crazy. Why would you do that? Because God said to do it. Why? Because he's the best, the greatest. And it's the best and greatest thing for us. Wives, you need to respect and encourage your husbands, even when, and especially when, they don't deserve it. Why? Because God said to do it. Doesn't make sense. I get it. But that's what God says to do. Raising kids. Kids responding to parents. How we respond at work. How to respond to our neighbors. How to respond in every area of our lives. The next one. Truthfulness. Faithfulness. God is the true God. In other words, there's no other gods. And he's the true God. Everything else is false. And that all his knowledge and words are both true and the final standard of truth so that God will always do what he says he will do. Verse Numbers says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. In other words, God doesn't confess or turn away from sin. Why? Because he doesn't sin. (laughs) So he doesn't have to. We do. Has he said and will he not do it? Yes, he will do it. That's the answer to that. Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? Yes, he'll make it good. So what do we find out of that? God can't lie and will always be faithful to who he is and do what he says he'll do. So he'll keep your life from becoming a mess and will renew and strengthen you if you trust him. That's, that's, him. that's what he's saying. That's his truthfulness. That's his faithfulness. Now, we must be in his word to know what the truth is. All right? Um, that's, that's kind of a key element. All right, so next one. Goodness. Now, this one also can include mercy, grace, and patience, so I'm going to do that. Uh, I took these from Wayne Grudem's book, Systematic Theology. Um, and so how he broke it down, I just broke it down the same way. So God is the final standard of good. And that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Okay, it's, it's good. What he says and does, it, it's good. Oh, taste and see it, the Lord is good. How blessed or happy and grateful. Strengthened, maybe is the way we put it in there. Is a man who takes refuge in him. Not refuge in other things. Not refuge in TV. Not refuge in pills, alcohol, drugs. Not refuge in other people. Not refuge in a, a novel. Not refuge in a, in a food that you really enjoy or a drink that you really enjoy or refuge in some other, you know, whatever. Refuge in Him. So God is good. Everything He, he does is good and it always accomplishes good. So are you thinking about the area where you're struggling? So in your area where you're struggling, the area where I struggle, God is good, and He wants good for me, and He's going to use that thing to bring about good in my life. I keep going down my path, I'm going to destroy my life. We talked about that last week. So there's, there's three aspects of His goodness, um, which some people say are attributes, which is fine, you know, no debate for me. So mercy, God's goodness towards those in misery and distress by not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve hell. We don't even deserve to be alive. Because we sinned against God. His grace, it's God's goodness towards those who deserve only punishment by giving us what we don't deserve. What don't we deserve? We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve a relationship with God. 
We don't deserve to have this incredible God in our lives, but he gives us that if we repent of our sin and establish a relationship with him through faith in Christ. And in his patience, it's God's goodness in withholding punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. So God's patience in allowing us to be alive for the extent of time that we're alive, that's, that's patience because he's given us an opportunity to come to know him. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious, that's grace, and merciful, mercy, slow to anger, that's patience, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. So God can even make what seems bad to us work out for good. If we're willing, again, to do it his way, to follow his will, to work through that uh, the way he says to work through it. Okay, a couple more. Next one. Peace and order. I, I, am, I was thinking, about, man, maybe I won't do this, but no, nah, nah, I'm going to do this. Because there's, there's so many, even Christians, that I know that their lives are just so chaotic right now. We've got new believers who have just come to Christ, and they're coming out of a, um, a background that's just, just, you know, difficult and hard, and they're struggling, and it's chaos, and you know, when people come out of those kinds of backgrounds and then come to Christ, life starts calming down because God starts working in their life, and that actually becomes difficult for them. That in itself can become chaotic. So God's being, and in his actions, he is separate from all confusion and disorder, yet he is continually active in innumerable, well-ordered, fully controlled, simultaneous actions. So when this world is completely chaotic, like we see in our world now, when your world and my world is completely chaotic, God's up there going, got this, not a problem. Verse, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. In other words, the way God says to think and respond. And the God of peace will be with you. It's a promise. It's an attribute of his faithfulness. And he'll do it. So God never brings confusion to life. So if, if you're confused, if you're um, all tensed up, that's not God bringing that to you. That's, that's you thinking through the way you're thinking through life and, and not going to God with it. He only brings peace and order. Even when our lives are frantic, God is calm, calmly accomplishing His will. And, and then that... Because he's going to give us himself, and he's, he is actually working in that situation, even when it seems like, man, this is, this is crazy. Just, it's like Stan keeps saying, just take a breath. Just take a breath. And know that in the midst of that, God is working. So you just do what God's called you. Do the next right thing. And let God operate. And then all this gets wrapped together in this one. And that is unchangeableness. God is unchanging in his being, perfections, purposes, and promises. Yet God does act and feel emotion. So he's not emotionless. He's not a robot. You know, he doesn't just automatically do whatever buttons get pushed. He's a being. He's, he has personality. So he acts and he feels emotion. And he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Which is, by the way, a good thing that God doesn't change, right? 
For the days of your fathers you have turned aside from your statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So this was a promise that he gave hundreds of years before this to Israel. He says, hey, if you repent of your sins, I will come and draw close to you again. That's an awesome promise. He didn't, change, he didn't say, hey, if you, uh, if you fail to repent of your sins, I know I said that I would um, you know, come back and, and kind of draw you into a relationship with me. Uh, instead, I'm going to kill you. you know, he didn't do that. Because he doesn't change. So you will always know where God stands on an issue. You will always know what God's standards are. God's standards never change. Society's standards change. Am I right? <laughs> right? Marriage standards change. Genders change. Everything changes, but not with God. It's the same He's the same. And you can always count on God being who He is and what He promises to do if we're willing to do what He says to do. To be obedient to what He says to do. Now that's just a, that's just a few uh, incredible attributes. And I've got to rip through the rest of this really quickly. I don't have any more. I've got one more verse to do. But. So why don't people trust God? Now, I want to be uh, bluntly loving this morning, okay? Why don't people trust God? Well, one, because they're apathetic. Life's good in their minds. Life's good. I got no problems. I got everything under control here. No problem. Don't need God. So I don't need to trust God, right? Now, at some point in your life, at least in my life, I've realized when I've thought that way, something comes along, (laughs) Selfish. No one's going to tell me how to, do, to live life, including God. I'm telling you, I'm up here week in, week out, and I counsel with people. And we get together on Thursday nights, and Greg and Clark are teaching Thursday nights, and the ladies, they're in the quad, and, they're te- and we're always looking at what God says about how to do life. And inevitably, we have somebody or some people say, thanks for your opinion, you know, type of thing. And they don't do it. And then they come to us and they're, my life's all chaotic and frantic. And we're like, well, have you done this, this, and this that we talked about? No. You know, I get up early uh, for work and I work long hours. And Well, you don't know what my spouse is like. Arrogant person they are. I mean, you wouldn't believe what I have to put up with. My kids, who's raising them? <laughs> anyway, um, we're just selfish, deceived. We believe what our heart, mind, or others tell us is best. Kind of goes along with selfishness. Next one. Lazy or distracted. Kind of goes along with selfishness too, I guess. But yeah, Pastor, I know. I know what, I know what it takes. I just don't want to do it. I'm going to put the time in for it. You know, other things are more fun or more important. So for those who are tired of struggling and and want to experience all that God is and all the promises he has, how can you know him? How can you know who he is? Well, first, you have to know God's son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says this in Matthew, all things have been handed over to me 
but my father, or by my father, and no one, no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. You want to know who God is? You need to know who Jesus Christ is. You need to know him. And that's that, this, that's that word again. It's this personal, experiential knowledge. You need to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ if you truly want to know who God is. Have you truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Some of you here this morning have never heard that before. And so for you, some of you will say, yeah, I, 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 yeah I've done it. Have you? Truly. Have you truly given your life to Christ and what that means? Then once you know Jesus, then you must know God's Word. You need to know God's Word, which is the Bible. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to meditate on it. This meditation thing, when you're reading God's Word and asking questions of God's Word, and how does this apply to my life? How does this attribute apply to my life? That's meditation. It's not going, you know, that's not, it is Some people practice that meditation. Some people take refuge in that meditation. That's not what Scripture talks about when it talks about meditation. And then we must live out God's commands. We've got to know, is he going to follow through? If I do marriage this way, is he really going to do what he says he's going to do? If If I raise my kids this way, kids, if I obey my parents, is it really going to happen the way God says it's going to happen? If I respond to my work schedule, if I give up some hours at work so I can be a part of the church family and learn from God's Word together with the church family, if I can stop just being or attending church and start being the church, just coming here on Sunday morning is not being the church. It's attending a church. That's not what God expects if you're a follower of Christ. And if you're, a follower, if you're not a follower of Christ, you need to make that happen first. You'll only know if you can trust God if you personally take steps of obedience to what He says to do. And you don't know what to do unless you're in God's Word studying it. Here on Sunday mornings we talk about it. Thursday nights we talk about it. You should be reading about it at home. And we can help you with that. We have classes that teach you how to do that. It's actually fairly simple. If you have a spiral notebook and a pen and a Bible and you read something, and you kind of maybe even just rewrite it because you're not quite understand, sure what it's saying. But something, oh, that, I understood that. Okay, God, help me to understand. How does that play out in my life? And you kind of sit there and you think about it and you pray about it. You think about it and you pray about it. And all of a sudden, God throws a little thought in your head about this situation or that situation. Oh, so today, when I get in that situation, I need to try to do this. God, give me the strength to do this. Yeah, you'll use up ink. I get it. Pens are not that expensive yet. So, or have a great son-in-law who buys you a big tub of pens like mine did. I'm still working on them. I'm almost done. Almost done. Um, just, you know, Father's Day's coming up. Christmas is coming. Yeah, anyways. So what are the takeaways? The band comes up. We got time for the band? We got time for the band. Uh, last week we didn't, but we did. Uh, first of all, if you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's your first step. Is your life a mess? <laughs> if you're like, man, I, I just don't know what to do with my life. I Listen, God wants to come in there and he wants to bring peace and order to your life. Not just for you to experience it, but then for for you to show that to other people. So other people in your life can see what God's done and you can start telling them about who Jesus Christ is. Your life becomes his when you do that. And so all you need to do is say, you know, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm, 
I'm separated from you, and, and I ask you to forgive me my sin, and I'm, I'm doing what the Bible says to do, and that is to come to know Jesus, and I want to do that. And I ask you to forgive me my sins, and I'm trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And if that's you here this morning, I, just have that conversation, your heart to God. When we're singing, you can have that, heart, that conversation with God right here, right now. I would love to know about it. You can take that connect card and write it down on the card and throw it in a bucket as you're walking out, or you can grab me out in the lobby, because I'd love to know about it, and we've got some things that could help you, some books and stuff that can help you know that. And then, if you're a Christian, well, even if you're not, take 30 minutes this week, split it up, 15 and 15, whatever, and, and meditate on God's attributes. Take some of those attributes, read what it means, go into the, the verses, find out how that looks in the Bible, and then say, okay, God, how does this apply to my life? Let him tell you. <laughs> you know, don't run off. Let him tell you. Just sit there for a while. It's okay if it's quiet. I know, it's, I know when it gets quiet, people get nervous, but it's okay. Because you're in God's presence that way. And just ask him, how, how do I do this? How do I let you do this in my life? How can I trust you in my life? And let him teach you. Let him bring that peace and order to your life. Let him reveal who he is and then you trust him and then you know him and pretty soon we'll start seeing that happen throughout the rest of your life. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close with a song.